Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Damon Naylor about boosting the morale of employees, creating a healthy workplace environment. Damon Naylor, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thanks for having me, John. It's an honor and a privilege, and we're great to be here with you. Glad to be here with you. It's great. Thank you. It's great to be with you, too. I'm super excited to have a conversation on a topic that I love. We've talked about this topic on the podcast before uh, in in a variety of different contexts. Today, we're going to be focusing on boosting the morale of employees and creating a healthy workplace environment. And I think you bring a unique perspective to this conversation. So I'm, I'm super excited to have that dialogue with you today. As we get started, I wanted to share Damon's bio with everybody. With several hundred speaking engagements and many published works under his belt, Damon Naylor is known as a Renaissance man, inspirational communicator, gift guru, and authority and expert who provides direction, inspiration, and education to any audience. Damon possesses a wealth of knowledge in the areas of educational entrepreneurship and business, uh, religious, entertainment, relationships, leadership, and parenting. Currently, he serves as a consultant, leadership trainer, motivational speaker, author, and educator. As a result of his experience and expertise, he has been featured over 200 times in various media outlets, including the Huffington Post, Reader's Digest, Thrive Global, Goalcast, MSN, Yahoo, Yahoo Finance, Redbook, Insider, Podcasts, Radio, TV shows, magazines, newspapers, and many more. Uh, So much wonderful work that you do. I love your background. Anything else you want to share with listeners by way of your background or personal context before we really dive on into the conversation? Just on a personal front, I'm a husband and father, but yes, everything else summarizes me. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah, very good. Very good. Um, okay, so you're joining us from Louisiana. I'm in Utah. Yes. Uh, we were just chatting pre-interview. You know, neither of us have been to each other's states. <laughs> um, and so, uh, we're, you know, it's fun to connect um, with, with people uh, in areas that you haven't been before. So that, that's wonderful. And, yes. and as I look at your kind of Renaissance man background, I love that. I love, I, I think there's a, a great need uh, in the world today to have people, we, we need experts that, you yes. know, are an inch wide mile deep, but we need yes. people that also are connectors, people that can kind of see holistically the big picture. And, yes. um, and, and that's kind of how I read that when you describe yes. yourself as a Renaissance man, um, that, that you're someone that can bring people together. You're a connector. Yes. Uh, you're someone that can talk to important, uh, ideas and issues yes. that are facing most people and most organizations help people yes. drive success. And so I think that is very much needed in this, in our world today, that's hyper yes. uh, 
contentious and yes. uh, there's just seems to be wedges everywhere and yeah. people have a really hard time uh, just, just talking and getting around, getting their heads wrapped around important and challenging issues. And whether we're yes. talking about our communities, society as a whole, or within our organizations. Yes, and I, I totally agree, as you're stating, there is a need for mediators, advocates, those who stand in a gap. But I know with my experience as well, as you're stating, just wearing the hats of CEO, basically a manager, coach, and then an employee, wearing all three hats simultaneously, it helps me to see all of the different perspectives. And that's what you brought out, having that broad vision, that comprehensive vision. And when you're, you're able to see from those different perspectives, you also understand the mind frame of each perspective. And that's what gives me an advantage to being able to unite the different people in the different arenas and also positions at work, being able to know how everyone sees and thinks. It's a, a great ad, advantage. Yeah, yeah, I, I think absolutely. Um, so, let, so let's, and I, I suppose that gets a little bit into my first question, which is, you know, really, what do you see as some of those key characteristics, the essential elements that a good leader should possess as we're trying to navigate an increasingly complex, messy, nuanced yeah. world? And what a first one I just kind of touched up on, but I'll elaborate more is just that visionary having that broad vision. And what I always teach is what vision comes three forms of sight. First is foresight, which is the ability to see ahead and also to have that wide view that 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 uh, widened perspective and as a leader we have to see things before anybody else does if you're always seeing things at the same rate as everyone else it's going to be hard to lead but you have to have some foreknowledge of what's to come and be able to plan and adjust accordingly then the next form of sight is insight which is the ability to see beneath the surface to be able to discern to detect to see gifts and talents to see weaknesses and shortcomings and being able to navigate navigate and deal with people accordingly after knowing and having that insight because everything won't be on the surface and as a leader you have to be able to see and understand and know what's going on beneath the surface knowing the undercurrent and then lastly is the oversight which is the ability to manage and supervise and what I found the more foresight foresight and insight a person has especially as a leader the, the better he or she will be able to have the oversight and be able to manage people because they can see ahead and they can see beneath the surface. So I would say that was one of the greatest traits, but also being flexible, as you stated, in the, the time we're living in, I think that's something that people aren't willing to do is be flexible. Everyone is just, they're staunch supporters of their ideas and concepts and they kind of cut off everybody else and you know shun everyone else but when you're flexible you're kind of open even though you may not agree just having the open mind to be able to receive and if not agree just have the open mind to receive it and understand it at the least and um, I would say good communication skills being able to articulate and share your vision to express yourself and to hear others because communication, of course, is sending and receiving. I think that's one of the shortest, uh, one of the major drawbacks is listening. I find lots of people in leadership positions don't like to listen, like to shut down and shut off any ideas that are contrary to theirs or that kind of sends them in a direction they feel they don't want to go in. And so being able to listen with your ear for, for content and information and ideas, but then listen with your heart 
to be able to listen to the heart of the people. What are they really trying to say? Or what are they really feeling? And then last but not least, I would say interpersonal skills, just being a people's person, loving people, really wanting to see people achieve and develop and grow and become great and do great things. But I think those are the characteristics I, I find are necessary for a good leader. Yeah, I agree with each of those. I, I think yeah. you really hit on uh, some of the major elements. And one of the reasons I asked that question to start is because I do think there are these general skills, competencies, capabilities, yeah. um, characteristics of yeah. leaders that can help you be successful. I'm not a believer in like the born leader. Uh, yeah. I'm not. I'm not a believer in kind of the quote unquote, you know, tall, dark, handsome, charismatic leader. Yeah. You know, I think these are old stereotypes. Yes. that need to get disrupted. And there's no one size fits all, you know, th- you. there's different leadership styles, there's different personality styles, there's all sorts of different ways that we can be with those around us. And yes. while s- some of these characteristics and capabilities, I think are kind of universally important, yes. uh, th- that doesn't mean that I need to be a certain way when I'm a leader. Ultimately, I need to be authentic yeah. um, yes. and genuine as a as a leader. And so that means if I'm an introvert and I am, I'm, I'm, I'm an introvert. And so I'm never going to be that rah, rah, you know, high energy, charismatic kind of a leader. Um, But, but I can work hard on developing authentic, meaningful relationships with my people. I can be there to support them. Like I can do, I can communicate. I can do all those things that you were just talking about and I can still do it in a way that's unique and genuine to me which will then help me engender and foster more trust with my people um, and, and mutual accountability. And ultimately that's what we're really trying to go for, I think. Um, So I love all of those characteristics, all those attributes that you just described. Let's, let's talk a little bit more about some of those things that can hinder uh, effective leadership in organizations. And again, thinking about it within the kind of broader context of, of we want to create a healthy work environment for our yes. people. We want to have high levels of morale. We want people to be engaged. So like what, what are some of the leadership styles, approaches that some leaders have that actually undermine our ability to empower our people, to engage our people and to create a safe, uh, productive work environment? Well, two things come to mind for me. The first is pride. And with pride comes all kinds of issues, you know, being prideful as the leader, which is they're inflexible, they don't like to listen, and really are defensive when it comes to constructive criticism or, you know, just somebody opposing them. You know, they they really take up that defensive posture. And I think that really harms organizations. It's it's very, very detrimental when a leader has that. And it's just excessive, whereas, you know, it's my way or the highway, and just everything has to, to come through me. And they have to, like oftentimes they micromanage because they want their hands and everything. They have sometimes what I call a God complex, whereas they want to know everything, see everything, hear everything. And that is a problem. And then, you know, with the pride, going with that is just the domineering personality where they just want to control everything and just, you know, dominate basically they're, they don't give their employees a chance to voice their opinions or concerns they shut down everything that's oppositional and those are the two characteristics i think that harm and create a, a very bad environment you know one that's not conducive to growth 
one that stifens and really lessens the morale of the people. And I've, you know, seen it happen in a variety of settings. And every time you look, you know, you'll see people leaving, people going to other places because of that, just can't take it and tolerate it anymore. It becomes too excessive. But I think those are the two things, just pride and domineering, those two characteristics are very bad. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. You get many leaders that have really good intentions. Like, I I don't think most leaders go, they start their day, they wake up, And then they get excited about, I'm going to go to work today and be domineering and controlling over my people. (laughs) I, I, you know, I think most people have good intentions, but they don't know any better. They don't know anything different. They, they, they're, they're doing what they've seen other people do. They think that's what's expected of them Uh, or make perhaps they're insecure or they're nervous about what happens if they let go of that power. Um, What, what happens if they, if they truly delegate and, empower their people to leverage, you know, the the expertise of their team. And that requires trust, right? And so if you haven't done the work, the, the, the foundational work to develop relationships of trust with your people, then of course, you're going to be more hesitant to rely on them, to lean on them and to trust them to do the work at a high level that you need them to do to reflect well on the team and on you as the leader. And so I, for, for a variety of reasons, we see leaders doing that. Um, even when it's not, you know, specifically ego driven, uh, and, but then we get, we get those leaders that are, you know, narcissists who are ego driven, who just have that pride, like you described, and it's incredibly damaging. Uh, and you you talked about creating a safe space for people to just speak up and to, to challenge, to, to challenge the status quo, to question, uh, decisions, to, to just be thoughtful about, um, the complex, messy issues the organization is facing and how to respond to them. And when leaders, regardless of the reason, regardless of the intention, when, you know, whether they're ego driven or they're just insecure, uh, regardless of the reason, when leaders shut down those types of conversations and that kind of dialogue, uh, inevitably people will start tuning out. They're going to start playing it safe. They're going to start doing the bare minimum while they look for another job. Um, because they don't want to be there. They, they're not feeling 
you know, meaning and purpose in what they're doing. They're just kind of a pawn of the leader and nobody likes that. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure it ever worked well, but certainly, you know, we're, we're in a knowledge economy, we're in a service oriented economy and, and people expect more like, you know, I, I don't think even in a factory setting or, you know, in a, in a manufacturing setting, I don't think that that kind of command control approach works very well. Um, but especially not, you know, when we're talking about people who need to have to exercise, you know, uh, creative decision-making and innovate in their space, and you're, you're going to just uh, squelch any initiative anyone has when you start shutting people down um, or take, you know, taking credit for their ideas or whatever, yeah. the many kind of dysfunctional, unhealthy ways that some of this manifests itself within many yeah. organizations. Oh, yeah. And I think, like you were saying in the past, when it was just maybe factory workers, they had less options, or I believe they felt as though they had less options. And today, people won't stand for it because they have more options. Like you said, I said, okay, you're acting like that here. Let me just go online, update my resume, send it out, and apply for a job somewhere else with a better environment. But yes, as you stated, it never really did work. It's just, and it can work or it does work where people feel as though they have limited options. But in a place where people feel as though, look, I don't have to take this. I can take my skill set somewhere else. They normally do. Yeah. And that speaks to the fear element. So like if, if people feel like they have better options, they're not going to be ruled by fear. When they don't feel like they have better options, they're like, I hate this. I don't like my boss. I don't like the environment. I don't like the work I'm doing. But I guess I guess I got to just like bite the bullet and just put up with it. And you know what? That's not the world we're living in right now. Um, that's that's not the labor market that we're in right now. People have so many options. And, you know, so there's a wide range of reasons why we want to make sure that we are, you know, helping our people feel appreciated, that yes. they're seen and heard, that they have a chance to do what they're good at every day, that they have, um, that they're empowered, that they have autonomy, uh, you know, all of those things that go into boosting morale all yes. of that, all those things that go into creating that healthy workplace environment. Um, it, it's more essential, you know, now than it's been in a long time because post pandemic people are coming out of this and they're realizing, mm-hmm. you know what, I, I'm yes. not willing to sacrifice my yes. health, the health of my family, you know, for a crappy environment and a low paying job. Um, know. You know, like people, people are being a little bit more choosy and people are recognizing that, you know what, flexibility mm-hmm distributed workforce, remote work, like all of these things that people, you know, there were some organizations that did this um, Mm pre-pandemic, you know, but, but I think everyone has had to kind of get more comfortable with it over the last 18 months. And, Mm -hmm. and now, you know, so many employees have had a, a flavor of it and they're like, no, I'm not going back to the way it was. And, and if we try to force them back into that old model, we're just going to lose good people and they're going to go somewhere else. Um, so it's, it's a bottom line issue for the organization. It's, it's uh, certainly, you know, the indirect elements of, of just keeping your people happy is important. Um, but certainly it's going to, to influence the bottom line. So we got to be really thoughtful. We got to be careful yes. about how we do all of this. Um, and, and ultimately that will, that will help us as leaders be more successful. That'll help help our people be more fulfilled and, and drive more, you know, sustainable success for our team, for the organization. 
So, so what do you see as some of the strategies we should be taking? We talked about some of the characteristics of good leaders. We talked about some of the things to avoid doing, Um, you know, now that we're trying to wrap our head around empowerment, engagement, meaning purpose, um, and a safe, healthy environment, what, what are some of the, the strategic things that we could start doing today to start making that difference? Well, I would say one of the first things, if, the company doesn't have it, make sure to create one, a system where they recognize their employees, some type of system. And I know what we've done, and as a matter of fact, it was an idea that my group and I had come up with, here we do what's called private praise. And what happens, we went to Outlook and we used the forms document where you, if you see an employee doing something, a fellow coworker that's noteworthy of kudos and praise and compliments, then you go in there and you anonymously put in your praise for that person or that group. And then what happens, I'm able to extract those and send an all email to all of the employees just saying, hey, we got a kudos for this department or this person. You know, somebody's observed you doing great work. Someone's seen your, your dedication and your enthusiasm or whatever, just some form of recognition. And then like each quarter, we'll pick the top, well, we'll do a, a, a drawing and we'll pick the top three names out of that and they get another, you know, an additional reward. But just that verbal praise, that recognition, I know in the old days, you had the employee of the month or whatever. Hey, if, if you have that, that's fine as well. But we just felt with the private praise, it makes it just open to everybody and it's not limited to just one person per month. So I say that was that's the first thing, you know, you don't have to use that, but just find some form of strategy to recognize employees because that by itself is going to boost their self-esteem. Because we found that, you know, oftentimes employees feel when they get an email, they get called in the office, it's always for something negative and something bad. It's always for constructive criticism. But they wanted to hear something, an email that's saying, hey, you're doing great. You're awesome. You're wonderful. We appreciate you. And as you were talking about earlier, we value you. And that's what they wanted to hear. And that's why we created that. Another system or an idea is I know you have your actual, what you call the uh, scribe leaders who have the actual positions, but also creating achieved leaders or people who don't have the actual position, but are recognized leaders and allow them to be a part of your leadership team and meetings and having some type of input and say so concerning the environment and the culture of the workplace. That really um, makes a difference as well. And then I think one thing too, incorporating like a, a, a constructive way of employees being able to voice their concerns and to do it anonymously. Now, sometimes it could lead into a lot of venting. If it does that, you have to change it. But, you know, just valid concerns or things that um, they might want to share concerning an organization or what's going on that may need to be addressed. So those are just, you know, several ways that you can change and help to, to address the morale of the people and boost it. Because with the feedback, I think also once the feedback is given, making sure to make changes and modify things according to what you've given. Because when people see that they're being heard, you're going to get more out of them as well. But if people constantly are complaining or saying they're concerned about this and that and nothing's getting done, that really hinders the morale and like you said it makes people just shut down get silent and just go through the motion but when they're saying something and it's really something that that does need to be addressed 
and they see those changes, they see it being addressed in some kind of form or fashion. It might not be what they want, but just some kind of response, uh, some way of dealing with it, then that really helps because they're people, you give the people a voice and you're empowering them. I love those ideas. I think those are great, great tips. I, I, I think this isn't rocket science. Like if we just start doing some of these basic, simple things and doing them consistently over time, we can start them right now. And, and you can start to develop goodwill with your people. You can start to develop your relationships. You can start to develop that trust. And it just takes a little bit of effort consistently over time. And it'll, it'll reap really great dividends in the long run. And so let's not allow ourselves to keep, procrastinating and putting off these types of things. Um, I don't think there's anything either of us have said today that's completely unique that someone probably hasn't heard before, right? (laughs) So we hear it, we hear it again and again and again, yet we come up with excuses, you know, why we don't do it. And I get it. Leaders are busy. Managers are busy. You have a lot of things on your plate. This has to be a priority though. This has to be something and it doesn't take 10 hours a day. You know, we're talking stuff that you can do minimal amounts of time a day, just consistently. It makes that big difference. Well, Damon, it has just been a real pleasure talking with you today. I I know the time and it has flown by. I want to be respectful of your time before we close today though. I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. Okay, well, they can find me at livinglovingleading.net. That's my website there. And it's named after my book, actually, that I published at last year, which is available on amazon.com, Living, Loving, Leading. But if you go there, it has all of my information. It has information on the book and just my background with all I do because I'm a consultant, of course, an author and an educator and um, some motivational speaker. So we do workshops and things of that nature, but you can find it there. And I also have another website, which is more comprehensive, the real D-A-R-I-L dot O-R-G. And so, like I said, you can find all the information there. If you need to contact me or reach out, you can do it at any of those places. And I appreciate the opportunity, John. It's been a a great and wonderful conversation. As always, they fly by. The time just goes by so fast. But we appreciate the opportunity. And as a last word, I would just say, start small, but start now with, you know, boosting the morale or trying to boost the morale of your employees and changing that workplace culture to a positive place. You can do it. It doesn't matter about your personality, whatever you lack, just surround yourself with those people. If you're not the the gung-ho person or the the inspirer, just get that inspirational person on your team and delegate things to them. But yes, it's all about the morale because if you can um, encourage and motivate your people, then they're going to give you great output and they're going to be there with you. They're going to commit and be loyal. So yes, just get started now. Get started small, but just get started. Wonderful. Yes, just get started. Amen. Thank you so much, Damon. It has been a real pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected with Damon and his team, find out more about what they can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership. Ordinary, everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years, 
With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership. Will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities, and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations Magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine. With the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential, we publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe, and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.